Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Bible, following the stories of some of the women who have impacted our faith. Last week, we began the three-week study of Esther, who was crowned the Queen of Persia. But this week, we see things getting a little more complicated. (laughs) To explain all of this, we have our dear friend returning, Kristen Schell. So, Kristen, welcome back. And where do you want to start today? Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, first of all, this is a story of becoming, becoming who God created us to be. It's the story of His providence and, indeed, His perfect timing. As I was preparing for the podcast, I read a quote by C.S. Lewis that resonated with me as I was trying to imagine what God's intentions were for Esther and for each one of us. So let me read that. The more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become, because He made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to His personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. C.S. Lewis is always spot on, Mm -hmm. but I love that particular quote because it's so hopeful, you know, that God created us to be uniquely ourselves, and we aren't cookie-cutter replicas, and we're beautiful individuals. We don't have to try to be somebody mm-hmm. else because we just need to be who He made us to be. I just, mm-hmm. I love that. I can't wait to hear what else you have to say on this. Carry on. Well, we are going to explore two themes leading up to and in chapter six and seven of the book of Esther. The first is spiritual growth, and the second is God's exquisite timing. And in case it's been a long week for y'all, like it has me, (laughs) let's take a moment to remember a few things about where we left off in last week's lesson, specifically the characters in these two pivotal chapters that we're going to talk about. Oh, good, because what drama-filled chapters they are, um, truly the climax and the arc of this whole Esther narrative. Yep. So quick overview of our lead characters. First, we have King Xerxes. He is powerful. As we learned last week, he ruled over 127 countries or provinces in a vast territory. History records him as one of the most powerful rulers, and he was known as Mighty King Xerxes the Great. (laughs) He was truly a man to be feared. And then Haman. Oh, Haman, (laughs) what are those country song lyrics? It's always our greatest sin that does us in. (laughs) He is the kind of villain you love to hate. Mm -hmm. His biggest character flaw is his pride. And the scripture that comes to mind is Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart, and be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Well, he lives that out, doesn't he? Right? A prophetic, I guess, too. (laughs) Absolutely. And then Esther, oh, our heroine, and she's easy to love. Um, If Xerxes was the strongest and most powerful of all, by contrast, God employed one of his favorite methods for accomplishing his purposes by calling the weakest Mm -hmm. of the weak. Mm -hmm. She was a Jew, a woman, an orphan. And what does God do? He places her in a position of immense strategic importance. Mm -hmm. And then we have Mordecai, who is humble. He serves as more of a father figure to Esther than a cousin. 
He is extremely protective of his people and of Esther. And like Esther, we see him growing in his faith and wisdom over the years in this story. It's a cast of characters, isn't it? Truly, truly. (laughs) So wonderful. Uh, So these are our characters. And let's talk about our first theme, spiritual growth. One of the beautiful illustrations in this book of Scripture is witnessing Esther's growth. It's like we get to see her grow up before our eyes on these pages. She is truly becoming Mm -hmm. the woman that God created her to be. The story starts with Esther as a young woman, an orphan under the care of her cousin Mordecai. And at the end, we bear witness to a valiant queen who risks her life to save the Jewish nation. But here are some of the highlights that resonated with me in Esther's spiritual growth. A list. I love it. A list, a bullet pointed list. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It's the way I have to organize my chaotic mind. Um, we see Esther's spiritual growth in, in several examples, but one, she takes on a Moses like leadership. Mm. She chooses to identify with God's people, even if it meant risking her own life to do so. She knows her life is at risk when she declares, if I perish, I perish. And what courage mm-hmm. that took. Um, We see her spiritual growth modeled when she asks Mordecai to fast and pray for Mm -hmm. three days. And we see as a result in her a clarity of purpose and a peace with her decision that can only be from the Holy Spirit. You know, this is a good reminder that God orchestrates, but we still have to choose to play the part Mm -hmm. we are offered, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We can see tremendous spiritual growth in Esther leading up to these scenes before She could hide her Jewish identity so well because she really fit into the local culture. She wasn't a practicing Jew. Mm -hmm. In fact, most of the Jews who did not return to Jerusalem were cultural Jews. They They didn't practice at all in the Persian Empire. So she blended in. And all of a sudden now she's at an inflection point. She has to come to the fork in the road where she has to choose Mm -hmm. one way or the other. It's either her Persian life or her Jewish people. Yeah. And the beauty of that is the discipline that she takes before making that choice at the Mm -hmm. fork in the road. And so I'm going to back up a little bit into last week's lesson, but we can't underestimate that spiritual preparation that she went underwent prior to chapter six and seven, Mm -hmm. where we are today. Mm -hmm. Before she took any action, she employed the time-honored spiritual discipline of fasting. And the purpose there was to expose her need before God. Esther knew earthly powers were at work to kill and destroy, and we see tremendous wisdom in her decision to seek a heavenly power to save and preserve. Fasting is a visible sign of her dependency and weakness, and I love the communal aspect of Esther's request to Mordecai that all the Jews fast with her. So while she's seemingly alone in that ivory Mm -hmm. tower, um, and certainly the only Jew there, Mm -hmm. she is in holy community practicing a sacred discipline. And here's the point. When Esther receives the king and Haman in that fateful second banquet, she is not alone. Mm -hmm. Esther leaned into the seasons of preparation, both physically and spiritually. She had a teachable spirit. She paid attention, and God gifted her with the knowledge of the inner workings of that court and exactly how to approach the king. 
You know, um, this is one of those threads that we'll see throughout Scripture, and one of the verses that this reminds me of so much is 2 Corinthians twelve nineteen, where it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I mean, she was as weak as they come. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's a beautiful illustration of Esther's spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. And it emphasizes that while still not mentioned by name at all, the triune God is very much the director of these outrageous next two chapters, which leads us to our next theme, God's exquisite timing. Providence is a word you hear often when referring to the book of Esther. Jan, thank you, because you defined that for us last week. Well, you have to. It's all over everywhere. It's everywhere. Right? It is the crux of the whole matter yeah. here. But for just for my own, you know, remembrance, um, providence is the protective care of God. Mm. And we witness God's providence throughout the entire book of Esther. But in chapters six and seven, it feels like an illuminous light show of providence to me. Chapter six begins in between the two providential banquets that Esther has prepared for the king. And I hope that in your small groups, you're going to dive deeper into the many examples of God's exquisite timing. But I thought I'd highlight just the ones that stood out to me. And the first, of course, is insomnia. Mm -hmm. After the first banquet, the king cannot sleep. We don't know why. Perhaps he's intrigued by Esther's invitation to a second banquet. Maybe he's stressed with the business of running such an enormous kingdom. Or perhaps he just ate and drank too much. Who knows? <laughs> Regardless, he is plagued by insomnia and asks one of his attendants to read to him. Now, isn't that interesting what he did when he had a sleepless night? Because I know we've all had those. Oh, yeah. And it's just a reminder that for me, especially, instead of getting on the treadmill of my mind, but just to consider inviting God into that insomnia and listening to him speak. Now, the king didn't invite God in, but God was there, and he was going to speak to him, right? Mm -hmm. We can do the same thing. We can ask God if there's something he wants us to pray about. Uh, at least that focuses us on the Lord, not on ourselves. And usually, for me at least, it helps me to quit worrying and being anxious, and I get off the treadmill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a great tip because— I've had many, many, many sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Besides, I don't have anybody to read to me in the middle of the night. <laughs> right? Anyway, so. Well, exactly. Who am I going to ask for that? I don't have an attendant. <laughs> but that's what he does. The king, um, in order to cure his insomnia, he could have asked for tea. He could have asked for more wine. He could have asked for a warm bath or one of his harem. But he asks his attendant to read to him from the Book of Chronicles, a records book. I mean, essentially, this is a journal or a log of events that happened during his entire reign. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the only thing maybe more boring might have been a phone book, which, of course, <laughs> they didn't have back then. I don't know. He had a pretty interesting reign. I think he was so interested in himself that he wanted to hear about himself more. <laughs> the, there you go. But that would have kept him up. So exactly. who knows? Well, who knows? He, he <clears throat> Clearly, God's hand is at work here in planting the seed for the reading material. Mm -hmm. And then can we talk about how divinely inspired the attendance selection was. Mm -hmm. I mean, here, like we said, there are thousands of events that that were recorded, and it, air quotes, just so happens <laughs> to yes. pick the account of how Mordecai exposed the assassination attempt and saved King Xerxes' life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the timing, again, and the, the providence is exquisite. 
And upon hearing this, you can sense the king's urgency and desire to do something immediately for Mordecai. He summons anyone who happens to be in the court in those early morning hours, which leads us to the next bit of exquisite timing. (laughs) Guess who's in the court? Hyman arrives to the palace. As if right on cue, Haman appears in the court, and he couldn't sleep either. For very different reasons, he was rushing to speak to the king in order to share his plan to have Mordecai hung on the gallows that were being built for the occasion. Mm. Again, miraculous timing. Mm. Before Haman can bring forth this urgent request, though, the king pressed on with his query of how to recognize a man the king delights to honor. Two powerful men, each with a plan brewing in their brains, and it plays out like a perfectly directed Hollywood scene by Steven Spielberg. Only as we know, obviously, the director here is God. Yeah, and it has to be God because even Steven Spielberg is not that good. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Don't you love the fact that this is an example that those two men— or communicating about two completely different things. Yes. I mean, but they think they they're don't communicating exactly. about the same thing. They they're it. so yeah. myopic in their own, and yeah. convinced that they're in the right. Yeah. And yeah. it does, it plays out like just this <laughs> beautiful opera. Yes. <laughs> That's it's right. So yeah. yeah, it is ironic. And which um, leads us to another interesting um, uh, note to point out on exquisite timing, which is the second banquet. So why did Esther delay in her request to the king and prepare a second banquet for the king? We have to remember the stakes are high. Neither of her guests, the king nor Haman, know she's Jewish. Mm. Perhaps it was nerves, a yielding to the Holy Spirit, a combination of both. But as we study the time, between the two banquets, the clarity of the events God orchestrated for his desired outcome becomes more clear. God had time to prepare the king's heart by reminding him of Mordecai's honorable deed years ago. God gave Esther the gift of time to prepare her thoughts and to gain confidence. And God even gave Haman the opportunity to change his mind, change his course to repent. So there's really no way for us to understand the danger Esther was in. Just weeks prior, the king, her husband, had issued that binding edict to destroy all of the Jews. And that means all of the Jews Mm -hmm. and Esther. She knows this. I can't imagine what must have been going through her mind. But we sense her resolve and her conviction. I think the thing that I always have to remember is that times were so different back then because she couldn't just run in and say, wait a minute, stop what you're doing. You're going to kill me too. It, it was so clearly this was God's protection and provision, the way it all played out. Yes, and so is the way in which she actually petitions for her yep. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Esther has been queen for some time now, and this is it, y'all. This mm-hmm. is the climax. This is the for such a time as this. Yeah. God has prepared her And more importantly, God is with her. And she makes her plea, saying, If I have found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life Mm -hmm. and spare my people. This is my petition. She doesn't lead with anger or blame or with pride. Mm -hmm. She leads with truth. She's asking for her life and for all of the Jewish people to be spared. And what a shocking revelation. 
Right. You know, the king didn't know she was Jewish. And all of a sudden she leads with this and he's going, what is going on in my kingdom? <laughs> right. You know, so she really grabs his attention Clearly. with this. Well, yeah. and I think the fact that she did it calmly too, she wasn't hysterical. I think that probably, you know, right? he couldn't dismiss it as easily as she's just being hysterical. And just her word choices. Yeah. You know, yeah. the. I mean, I think of all the ways that I might have, or I have in my past, like right. gone in and said something to Tony and it wasn't, right. it, it wasn't this orchestrated <laughs> right. by God. Hysteria never helps. There's a lesson here. Right. But it did take yeah. the king, you know, by such shock, so much so, um, that leads to sort of our next comedic and yet divine timing. Um <laughs> In the fall before the fall mm. um, for Haman, the king in his rage and shock at what, what has been revealed to him goes out into the courtyard to catch his breath. And Haman, knowing the king will probably order his execution, begs the queen for his life and in doing so falls in desperation on the couch where the queen is reclining just as King Xerxes walks back in the room. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it, it's just a comedy of errors at that point. It's also perfect timing, though. I, th- exactly. I mean, it's just it, you can't. No, you can't, you can't make, make the stuff, stuff up, up y'all. No, and it's right can't. here in scripture. Um, and so then we move on to the king's response. God had prepared Esther for this very moment. And he had also prepared King Xerxes. Upon learning that she was Jewish, the king could have had her killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, according to his own edict. But his heart was tender for her and for Mordecai. His rage was saved for Haman. And Which the was the appropriate target, yes. by the way. Absolutely. I mean, in the result, Mordecai is honored and Haman is hanged. Well, <laughs> that's a lot. And in two short chapters, that's really a lot. Right. I mean, this lesson is intense. Yeah. Um, it's filled with action, drama, reversal of fortune, and the violent death of the villain. I mean, I was exhausted reading and rereading <laughs> them. But as we sit in the passages of Holy Scripture this week, I hope that our ladies will remember that God is always working in our lives, Mm -hmm. even when, and perhaps especially when, we can't see Him. His timing is perfect. Mm -hmm. And also, our spiritual growth matters deeply to God because it means we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and becoming more Christ-like in who He's created us to be. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. It is a lot. So what do you want to leave us with this week? A couple of things. Um, I'm always up for spending time in reflection, um, and I think it would be interesting to spend time reflecting on your own spiritual growth. Maybe quietly sit before God and ask Him to remind you. Maybe look back at your own prayers or notes from the beginning of our study, or go further back. Um, And be sure to praise and thank God for the way He always is working behind the scenes in your life. And similarly, it might be nice to ponder God's providence in your life. Where has He shown exquisite timing? And if you're up for the challenge, perhaps consider where He has shown you exquisite timing this very week. Mm. I think we can't ever spend too much time doing this. And it just brings us into His presence anyway, right? Which is where we need to be. Lord, give us spiritual eyes. Yeah. Kristen, thank you so much for coming this week. Um, This was an exciting lesson, and you did a great job. My pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I think you have given us enough to be plenty busy for a long time. So our final look at Esther comes next week. Until next time.